everybody welcome back to another week of the mixed motherhood podcast i am cookie and of course i'm here with the lovely denai and today we hey. have a special guest and i'll let denai introduce the yes, guest we have a very special guest today for this episode of mixed motherhood podcast we're doing things a little bit different we have my husband nick hi as our our guest maybe we should change this week's episode to mixed fatherhood podcast mixed parenthood <laughs> yeah so welcome to the podcast nick you are our first daddy guest on the show oh thank you for having me <laughs> um yeah hear from you um have you been listening to the podcast i have yeah, i listen to it when i work out and for everybody oh. listening i I, um, I don't have a gun to his head right now yeah <laughs> <laughs> He actually is listening to the podcast. And what are your impressions? I think it's good. I'm super impressed by uh, um, the amount of guests that you guys have been able to pull on and um, really interesting conversations that you guys have had. Mm -hmm. What episode sticks out to you uh, so far? I mean, I feel like it's recency bias, but I like the Sakura's episode a lot. Yeah. And mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, Sakura was an awesome guest. And, you know, hopefully we can have her back in the near future. Um, but I also want to ask, what has uh, parenthood been like for you? On this podcast, obviously, we talk about motherhood and the challenges that come with, with that. But what is it like to be uh, a father of mixed kids? Um. I mean, I think going into it, uh, I, I feel like I probably had like a a lot of like naiveness or naivete or whatever about, you know, what I was really getting into. Um, just because like we obviously have a relationship, people around ourselves, we surround ourselves with um, kind of like-minded people. Like our friends are kind of all of a certain um like attitude or open-mindedness i'd say uh, but then okay. you suddenly have a kid and then they're like thrown into the world and they come like encounter things that uh just kind of like exposed to you or exposed to me anyway um uh just like different challenges and adversity that they're going to face for like the entirety of their life and um yeah and it, i think also you, you've brought it up to me before we've chatted about this before that this all became like pretty real for me or and for the kids at like a very young age mm -hmm. right like tashi ran into like incidences when she was like in kindergarten yeah she was three yeah so i think that was sort of eye-opening but also just like um all, totally um, excited to just kind of like see it through and help them just be a support and hopefully be a, like a helpful guide through some of those situations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you find you have to really kind of um, stop and think sometimes and, and question some things or you just kind of like, because I find men in general are very black and white and so they want to fix things but like is there is a gray area for you at all or it's just kind of like this is what it is and this is the fix 
Um, yeah, I don't pretend to feel like I have an easy fix, but I, I, I totally, um, like agree and identify with like that tendency, but I realize that like, it just, it's not very simple, right? Like, it's just, like, it's not something that can be easily fixed, especially when it's, um, other people's perceptions, other people's attitudes, it's far beyond your control. The only thing mm-hmm. that you can control is like how you react, how you respond, and then how you um, maybe like debrief with uh, your kids, like through some type of situation and try to like figure out like what is the major takeaway and mm-hmm. how can they think um, in terms of like, I don't know, like how to how to find their own kind of like values in any of those situations. Yeah. Okay. Do you think that um, as a, do you think that parenthood has really um, made you think about your own life and, you know, the, the opportunities maybe, or the privileges that you've, you, you have, or you've had in your life that you never really thought about before? I mean, um, for sure, absolutely. I think just, just you come to terms with like how oblivious, right? Mm-hmm. And like in a very privileged sense, I was afforded to be through my entire, you know, childhood, adolescence, even like currently, right? <laughs> About the way the different ways that I walk through life versus the ways that they'll encounter some of those same situations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think they're going to have very different experiences than either you or I or myself. Um, very different. Everything is going to be different for them. They're going to see the world in a completely different way. They're going to experience things in a completely different way. Um, and I think that's kind of what we need to instill in them is as much value of, um, as many values as we can coming from wherever we're coming from and then hope that they can find their way. Um, but they just, they're just never going to experience the same things we did or we're never going to experience what they experience, Right. Yeah. And I think that's the challenge with the parenting. And we've talked about this so many times on this podcast, parenting kids who don't necessarily look like you or have the same experience that you did. And I think for you and me, Cookie, it's also the culture. Like, we're not raising our kids in Zimbabwe. We're raising them in a whole other country. Mm -hmm. So it's like the whole learning curve of, like, parenting is already exponentially harder because we're also trying to navigate this country, you know, and and trying Mm -hmm. to figure out, like, how to do things without having our parents as a reference. You know, I sometimes find, like... My parents will give me advice, which is like good advice. But then you try and like replicate it in the Canadian context. And you're like, "Eh, I don't know if that would work (laughs) here. It's like (laughs) body training, right? At home, you just let the child run free. And there's always somebody there to like help you. And I remember that was one of the things my mom said, oh, you know, when you were kids, I would just let you run around. And then, you know, you figured out potty training in a weekend. And we couldn't do it here because we started potty training in February, which if you're not from Canada, um, very cold. (laughs) So you can't really let your kid run around with no clothes on, even if you're in the house. And it's just not 
practical, right? So mm -hmm. I think for me, that's the challenge. Go ahead. And, and I agree. I think, and even like, I find like even different parts of Canada, people do, do mm -hmm. things differently, right? Like if you're yeah. going to raise your kid in Alberta, it's different too if you're raising your kid East Coast. And I, so there's just mm -hmm. so much stuff you have to kind of figure out for where you are. Um, but on top of that, being from Zimbabwe and trying to think, okay, culturally, this is what I would do, or these are the values I'd like to keep. Some of them are great, um, but some of them, like you said, are not applicable. So it makes it very difficult to know where you fall on that parenting line. Like, am I doing the right thing? Or am I like, I know I talk to my mom lots and I think she recognizes that, that things are very different. So she's really good at saying, okay, well, this is what I did, but I don't know um, what it would look mm -hmm. like for you, but this is kind of what I would suggest or, you know, um, but it's hard when they're not physically here to just kind of hand off the child and be like, deuces, I'm out the door for I know. the next four months because I can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, now we've moved closer to your family, Nick, and your your parents are wonderful. Um, and, you know, they're, they're not too far away. But I want to ask you if being in this relationship and having mixed kids has um given you a different perspective about maybe your family members or um the values that uh maybe your immediate family or extended family had that is very different to what you think now like do you think that um your life and your your relationship and your kids have really shown you a different side to your family or um, maybe it's, ha have you developed a different, uh, perspective of your, your, your family or your, your relatives? Mm. Um, I don't know. I don't think so. I think like, yeah, that's sort of hard to say. I feel like, uh, I think that's just a, a probably more a reflection of, me getting older and like understanding people and where they're coming from in a different way and uh not so much as like they're acting differently or moving differently because i have mixed kids it's it's probably just like that's the way that they always were mm -hmm. and i'm mm -hmm. appreciating that now that i can through the fullness of time can kind of acknowledge those things that were likely always that way, but I just didn't perceive them to be that way. Yeah. Yeah. What's one thing that surprised you about your parents um, with regards to, you know, how they interact with uh, their grandchildren? I think they're leaning into it. I think they're super stoked to be grandparents. Um, they were probably a little, um, like, I don't know, just bored for a little while being like empty sister, <laughs> right? And like, you know, having three kids at home, like through our mm -hmm. childhood, and then all of the kids had like one by one left home and not even left home but just also left the province mm -hmm. right um, so they're just kind of like left to their own devices and probably going a little 
crazy. Stir crazy. Stir crazy. And I think they kind of filled time with like hobbies and things like that, um, which is great. But I think they're appreciating having like, you know, their grandchildren in their life and they're mm-hmm. also super happy. I think they also like that we're at like a, uh, like a healthy distance between like, like <laughs> physically, like, we they can't see the kids all the time. Yeah, because right? <laughs> the kids would probably also drive them nuts if they were seeing them all the time. But they get like a reasonable dose of um, the grandkids. They were trying to get us to buy a house just like across the street from them at one point. Which, I mean, I think there would have been upside to that, but I think it would have also driven us crazy. Yeah, a little bit. I think it would have been interesting raising our children in a very rural part of canada so yeah i don't know how yeah it's it's um the rural parts of canada are kind of interesting they have their own um vibe and i and i know just from living in newfoundland and then living in rural alberta a little bit and kind of learning what kind of goes on you know and i find like there's a lot of community but then that community can also be very um uh encasing and then you become like mm-hmm. you gotta be careful, you know. Um, not that I'm not advocating for big city, but you know, it's you get to be alone sometimes. You get to segregate yeah. without necessarily always feeling your like privacy. you have to be around people. Li- mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I was just saying that I think you lose your privacy a bit, like when you're in that yeah. kind. And I mean, you grew up in that environment where uh, you kind of everybody knew everybody, and um, you know, everybody was in everyone's business. Um, that, that can be challenging. And I think, um, just from my perspective, when you're in an interracial relationship, there's already a lot of external scrutiny that's happening when people are staring at you and asking questions and very curious. Um, and I think what happens is it leads to a lot of internal, uh, questioning of yourself like I question mm-hmm. things all the time. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think, um, you know, and you and I have talked about this questioning, whether you're doing a good job, whether you're uh, doing a disservice to your children because you're, you're choosing to raise them that way or um, helping them nurture maybe one side of their culture and not the other. Um, so there is a lot of questioning um, in that sense, but I mean, I don't know from, from your perspective, um, is there anything that you've kind of like um, been struggling with or questioning as a parent or even in the relationship? And this is not a therapy session, but like, <laughs> <laughs> feel free to be as open as you want to. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think so. Nothing crazy like that. I feel like everything has been, yeah, I think generally really good. Yeah. I think for sure there's been like these little like eye-opening moments and things like that but like what um what's an example uh i think there's like well, well i think first like there's a situation that i get at daycare um but then otherwise i feel like we've kind of taken it all in stride and the kids have as well um, there was a moment um, 
I don't know if it was like this year or last year, probably more last year, where I think he was just going through kind of a difficult time. And uh, because she just changed schools and then she was also in a French first language school as not really like a native French speaker. Mm-hmm. So she's kind of like coming from an outside place and then not, you know, being thrust into a environment where she's not super comfortable with the language, doesn't have mm-hmm. any of her friends from uh, kindergarten. Yeah. And then also being potentially likely like the only black kid in her class. Yeah. And I'm like, that is just like stacks of like othering. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, man, she is going through it. And, uh, but she toughed it out and, um, I think she's like getting better on the language side and, um, has made a bunch of friends at school. So like my perception anyway, is that, uh, like she's just doing better leagues better this year than she was, um, last year. And I think she was, and who knows, right. This is again, me kind of like projecting onto her, but. I think she was kind of just like struggling a bit mm-hmm. and suffering in silence as much as a, you know, a five-year-old can kind of like suffer, but because she also didn't really have like much of a reference point of mm-hmm. is, are things meant to be this difficult? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, like the challenge knob was just kind of like turned up to an 11 for her. Um I have to commend you for being as in tune. I mean, obviously this is who you are as a person, which is great. Just in tune with how she was feeling, what she was seeing, what she was experiencing um, and just gathering all that information and watching. Because that's all we can do is kind of watch and then engage when we can engage. Right. But Mm -hmm. being aware of that makes a huge difference because she knew, maybe she knew, maybe she didn't, but she, could you knew that something was going on so she knew that if i'm going to fall apart this is where i need to fall apart and i have that space to fall apart between mom and dad not just mom or dad mm-hmm. because sometimes i think um when it comes to mixed relationships sometimes i find um and this is going to sound terrible to all the to all our listeners but whatever i find <laughs> the african man tends to step back and go figure it out like I don't know how to engage with that so figure it out right and then mom has got to pick it all up and she's raising her kids as best as she can with what she knows and if she doesn't become self-aware then it just falls you know the kids got to figure it out right without that kind of support of I can go to mom or dad and let them know that this is how I'm feeling because I feel like then if they're having a problem with say a white child then they're gonna go well I can't go to dad because maybe he'll take offense to that. Or if they're having a problem with the black child, well, I can't go to mom or um, vice mm-hmm. versa, right? They got to always, they got to figure that out. And that's the thing is where we will never be able to experience what they experience because they have to be attuned to, you know, the experience they're having here, but who do I go to with that information? Who's going to receive it the best, right? Um, so yeah, I think that's great that you were able to just see that and go, okay, we just got to guide her the best way we can and and help her out. I think that part of it comes from um, how we were raised. Like you, you talk about like the African mentality is to just like figure it out. And I think that that is very much how we were raised to just like figure things out, to problem solve on our own. Mm-hmm. 
because again, our parents were like, they didn't experience things the same way that we did. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. They, the, the, when they went to school, the world would have looked very different Mm -hmm. from when we went to school. Like we went to school with a whole bunch of white people, (laughs) which, (laughs) you know, my parents both went to mission schools and the only white people in the school were the teachers, right? The nuns Mm -hmm. and um, the the priests and stuff. And so I think the, 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 the way that they had to navigate things like race was very different from how we had to navigate race. Cause we were dealing with it with our peers, but they were dealing it with it from a power structure, mm-hmm. right? Like you can't exactly challenge your teacher. <laughs> right. And those mission schools, I mean, the stories that my parents tell crazy, <laughs> but um, again, I think the advice would have been very different to us. And even now our advice would be different to them in a way. Mm-hmm. So I guess, you know, you're lucky because the experiences that you had maybe going to school would have been very similar to your parents. So you would have had yeah. that that continuity and that guidance to help you through. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's just kind of one of those things. Um, okay, so I want to ask you what is one thing that um you can confidently say has changed you for the better now than it did before you became a father Ooh, i mean i think it just like it forces you to um like just become more like more selfless right like you uh, you just your new chief responsibility is caring for these new humans that are just like thrust into your life right mm-hmm. so um yeah it's just like it just becomes go time time to step it up time to figure out your stuff and um like it's always kind of like game time a little bit yeah uh Especially with like a toddler, because the older one is is good, she's fine. But the toddler is where the energy, like you have to invest a lot more energy there. So yeah, definitely a lot of self selflessness happening on that front. Yeah, yeah, yeah especially yeah. Now we're in the situation where there's just like being thoughtful about time management around how much can we actually get done outside of like (laughs) being always on with the kids. And then once they, you know, finally get them down for bed, then they're like, okay, now we actually have to do all of our like chores and responsibilities and stuff. See, this is where there's the cultural difference because in, in my mind, and again, this is not a therapy session, everybody who's listening, but (laughs) in, in my African mind, I'm like, everything still needs to be done. So I'm just going to do it anyway. So even if the kid is awake or like whatever, there's chaos in the house, I'm still going to do it. And you are very much like, eh, we'll just deal with one fire before going to another, another fire. Honestly though, like, and I'm not saying that in a bad way. I genuinely, genuinely admire how men sometimes can really just be focused on the one thing, get it done. And they yeah. focus. Now, obviously, we are like, okay, but I have to get a hundred things done, so I can't afford to do one thing at a time. But 
yeah. the man's version of doing things is very um, methodical and I have to do this and finish it and then I can move on because it's just, but anyway, so I don't think it's a, it's a cultural thing. I think it's just a man woman thing and how we both function. I mean, there's certain things that I still think that there's an element of culture there because I think there's certain things that you are willing to overlook <laughs> that I will not overlook. Like, perfect example, in the summertime when, um, you know, when our, our kids are swimming or whatever, it's like, ah, they don't need a bath tonight. And I'm like, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> so it's just kind of like these little things where we have differences, like the, the cultural differences tend to come up. Um which, which I find interesting. And maybe we'll explore this when we eventually do like a, uh, an episode with some other, other um, uh, married folks out there. Um, but uh, I, will, I think in closing, um, what is a piece of advice that you would give to other dads who are about to become fathers to mixed kids or a piece of advice that you wish somebody would have told you at the very beginning? Oh, geez. Um... I think, yeah, I think you get humbled real quick. So I think just like keep your <laughs> keep your eyes open. Like do not pretend like you know anything, and um, go in it with like a spirit and willingness to to learn. And uh, I think that attitude attitude will like is what actually will help you grow, and likely allow you to become like a, a better parent, better partner better father um than pretending like you you have a a playbook at the beginning mm -hmm. that's awesome all right folks we're gonna take a tiny, tiny break and then we're gonna be back with a supersized mailbox session we'll be right back everybody um so our first letter comes from uh, a lady living in quebec so she says hello mixed motherhood podcast i'm a white quebecois living in trois rivieres and i'm dating a beautiful black man from haiti we met about a year ago and so and so far things are great and it's getting serious my boyfriend has met my family several times and although they are still getting used to our relationship, they seem to be supportive. His family, on the other hand, have been the opposite. His mother refuses to meet with me, and his sisters have said to him that they are fine with us dating, but don't think that marriage is possible. What's worse is that he said to me that he can't imagine getting married without his mother's blessing. I'm worried that I will never get her approval and even my own parents have told me to end things because of this. What do you think I should do? I think this is going to be a point of this contention is such for years to come. Let it go. It's unfortunate, but let it go. Cause, and, and this is maybe the really? older you're saying to let was, this man go? They're never I mean, going to come around and it's always going to be a problem. I kind of agree. I think what? It, yeah, I agree. I think you either got to like, what are the options? Like struggle forever 
and never actually have acceptance from the either family or mm-hmm. um or just pick up and like move to a different country i think is like option number I two i mean canada's pretty big they could just move out of quebec i mean I'm- but even even if you move out of quebec or whatever like it's still you're basically abandoning both yes families mm-hmm. and I- mm-hmm. Okay, because my my issue is when it comes when it comes to the because when they do start having children, that's going to be even worse. Now you're trying to parent your children, knowing that you don't. That's a big if. Once they see those cute little kids, they'll be like, you know what? We'll we'll tolerate it, especially the Haitian mama. I'm sure she'll be like, you don't think so? No, I think that if they love each other enough then they they should definitely i think that they should they should try and make it work i mean i think i would agree with you if there wasn't the bit about didn't the boyfriend say that he wasn't gonna go yeah because the mom yeah. so like even that is the tell like that is the red flag he's mm-hmm. basically choosing his mom over the relationship so he's already checked out He's already point. checked up. And and if we were to go through with said wedding and marriage and the mother doesn't have the blessing, he's always going to be resentful. Yeah. Always. Well, the other thing is, well, maybe, maybe there's like, without like assuming what the reason is for either side not being happy with the relationship. Maybe there is, for me, I, I would try to see if we could have some sort of dialogue. The sisters might be a way into that dialogue to be like, look, what what is it about me that you don't like, right? If it's something that she can change, then maybe she can consider that. But if it's something that she can change, like the mom just doesn't like her because she's white, for example, that's something that she can't change. So then she needs to decide whether or not she's willing to uh, like live live with that or just like, in the relationship but i wouldn't like if this was my best friend or my friend i would say maybe don't end the relationship until you figure out like what what's actually going on because i i honestly think that maybe the mother has like some sort of pre preconceived idea or i just want to point out something nick is the male here and he's already said this guy checked out because based on that like that (laughs) one sentence the man knows he's already checked out Move on. <laughs> yeah, or he's just viewing it as, like, in his mind, he's already decided that this isn't long-term. But how do you know that? Yes, because exactly. Because... That he's, not, he's not, like, interested in a, a marriage. But if he's saying yeah. that he can't get married without his mother's blessing, then shouldn't he at least try and get, like, try to figure out how he can get that blessing? It's kind of like, I'm just he's giving... He's not motivated. But we don't know yeah, Thank you. He could be. No, but we do. No, because why would he say that to her? If he was even in the slightest bit motivated to marry her, he would have gone back to his mom before mentioning it to her and said, what is the... (laughs) Like, this woman is going to love me, okay? Oh, my. Like, on a real though, if he's saying, look, I can't get married without my mother's blessing, then my response to that would be, well, like... How can we get the blessing? How can we compromise here? Because there needs to be some sort of compromise. If this guy stands up to his mother and says, look, this is the woman that I love, that I want to marry, that I want to have children with. 
if you love me, then you you need to support this this relationship. You know, and he would have done that before he mentioned that to her. Exactly, but he like, didn't I'm mention- all for like the Hollywood version of this story, but he's already <laughs> decided that he's not yeah. all the way into it. So, like, he's made that decision. I think you guys are, are making that decision for him. He's just telling her, look, I don't think I could marry you if my mom is, like, not happy with the relationship. But he also needs to put in the work to be like, look, mother, I love this woman and I want to marry her. What can we do for you to accept this woman? And like I said, if it's something that she can change, then she, she can see if she's willing to change those things. I mean... This is the sentence. This is the sentence that's the kicker. Is what's worse is that he said to me that he can't imagine mm-hmm. getting married without his mother's blessing. If he really wanted to marry her, he would be able to imagine it. <laughs> like he would be he there is. in his head. Now he's like, I can't imagine it. No, I can't even that's... imagine it. <laughs> The guy is checked out. But I'm saying that you guys are giving like, up too soon. No. No. He is giving up. He is giving up. Yeah, but we don't know that. It's in the paper. Oh, we do. It's in the paper. It's in the letter. We're reading the same letter. Yeah, I know. But I'm just saying, I was this woman. I would be like, look, I know you can't imagine getting married without your mother's blessing. How do we get that blessing? What do I get okay, tonight? Okay, as a woman who's in the dating world, me, person, yes. piss now. Man, like you've got to read between the lines and also read what's being given to you. And I think That's you have to be at an call. age, especially them talking about marriage. Just That's a serious room. thing. Read and you cannot she possibly... everything is perfect. Read the room. <laughs> I don't know. I like, and I mean, our listeners feel free to like tell us who's correct. But I feel like if you really want to be with this man, then you got to compromise. Figure but, out like what you can do to make He doesn't want to be with her. He, he no. doesn't want to be. He yeah. does want to be with her. No, no okay. he doesn't. I, no, he you doesn't. Think, you think that because he says that he can't get married without his mother's blessing, but he doesn't want to be with her. If she respected herself, That's she right. would move on. Wow. Thank you. 100%. Pack move up the hell on. Stuff. He's staying there because mm-hmm. maybe the love, the sex is good, but... <laughs> If she was serious about finding like a long-term partner, she should just move on. There's plenty of dudes out there. I don't know. I feel He's like not the one. She's investing her time and energy in something but, that's not going to go. But that's anywhere. basically telling somebody that they that they they, they shouldn't in, like you shouldn't work at the relationship. Because no, not I, let, but they have a good foundation. Yes. She says that. No, um, no they probably have a good sex life. Is what they have. No, <laughs> you are. So this is not how it works, Nicholas. Okay. <laughs> you can only go by what's in the litter, and I think honestly <laughs> that if they do have a good relationship, then they need to they need to come up with a compromise. Like even her family, they weren't so happy about the relationship, but they're coming around. So maybe it's just a matter of her talking to the sisters and saying, "Look, you're <sighs> saying that." You don't think like we can date, but we can't get married. Why? Why? Why do you feel that way? Okay, so so two things. So yes, her family came around, but that's probably because she's invested and she's made a case for this relationship. This but man is not making a case. It's he is argument. not making a case. 
But let me finish. He is not making a case on his end because he does not want to but go for it. Do we this. know that? He he could be like, ah, you know, I really want to be with this woman, but you know, my mom is like stubborn. But then this girl could be like, no, I am I am going to make her love me. Okay, that sounds crazy. Yeah, but like, yes, it does. It's crazy. No, but I will make her love me. Like I, I'm going to do whatever it takes to win this woman's approval so that I can be with this man. I feel like this is Sakura's three thirty days of phone calling all over again. We're not doing this. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like this. No, move okay, on. My advice to this woman is: if you really love this man, you need to have a conversation with him and say, "Where is this going?" If you want to be with me, let's be together. And we need to figure out how to make your mother happy. And you guys, I don't know what your advice is, but I just feel like it's, you've given up. My my advice is move on. Yeah, exactly. Ditto. Wow. Get out of there. Okay. (laughs) Well, there you go. Um, Personally, I think my advice is better, but whatever. Two against (laughs) one. (laughs) All right. We're going to go on to our next letter. All right. Hi, ladies and guests. I think my sister married a racist. For context, we're both Chinese Canadian women living in Winnipeg. My older sister has been married to a Turkish Irish Canadian for two years. He appears to be a great guy, has an awesome job, is educated, good looking, blah, blah, blah. But I was doing some snooping online, don't judge me, and came across some old Facebook posts my brother in law made when he was in university. He was liking racist memes, posting some pretty ignorant stuff. I've asked him about it, and he said he was young and dumb and didn't know any better. But he doesn't think that way anymore. I want to believe him, but the majority of his friends are still posting ignorant things. My sister is very anti-conflict, so she never says anything, but I'm concerned that my sister doesn't see what's going on. What can I do to make her see that he may not be the guy he thinks he is before she has a child with this man? I have lots to say, but somebody else start. Do you want to start? No, you go for it. There are a lot of red flags in this letter. Um, first of all, the fact that they're married is like your sister has made this decision to be with this man. So you need to respect your sister's decision to be decision. with this man. But you can also, as her sister, voice your concerns. Now, personally, again, this is just Danae's opinion. If I see, like, I kind of agree with her that if this person has had this history of being, like, racist or ignorant, that it's likely that there are people in his circle that will still share those those same views. And that is problematic. And, you know, I will always call that out. But... If your sister is anti-conflict and just doesn't want to deal with it, then I feel like it's kind of, you kind of just have to let her lie in her own bed. I don't know. That sounds mean. I feel like. I feel like this letter doesn't actually touch on a um, couple questions. Like, A, what is their actual relationship like? Like, I don't think mm-hmm. we answered that question in the letter. Like the sisters or the husband and wife? Husband and wife. Yeah. And then B, it's very suspicious that... Um, Here we go. Suspicious how? 
that um, <laughs> you would have this type of like a background and b circle of friends and for it not to be a red flag to um either like i don't want to be ba- blaming the woman here but i'm like how did she not spot this and how did it go so long and for them to actually get married? i think i can answer that like it is it can be hard to find someone and so maybe I'm not speaking on behalf of all women, but maybe she just felt like, this is it. This is my shot. If I'm going to be with a guy, this is the guy that I want to be. And it sounds like he he checks all the other boxes. Like he has a job and he's good looking and educated. So he has a job. Okay. Here's the thing though. The bar if he's really so low at that point. <laughs> really low at this point, you have a job. Um, I think the problem, my question is, is he actually racist? Cause he married this woman. But Cookie, what's in your pants does not absolve you from being racist or like whatever you are attracted to. Because you could be attracted to whatever and still be racist. That's what I'm saying. Like the letter doesn't actually discuss their relationship, the quality of the The relationship. relationship. If he was saying like obviously racist things or exhibiting but does he need does he need to be actually like engaging in racist and ignorant behavior for it to be problematic like if all of your friends nick that's what i I, I agree i agree i agree and that's why my my point earlier was like how did she not spot these things and think it was problematic and go through to the point of actually getting married to the guy maybe she noticed it too late But the sister has asked him about it and he said it was back in university now. And and we've had this conversation, I think, if I remember correctly, like sometimes people are not aware of what they're saying or doing. And it's possible that he was ignorant, but ended up marrying this woman and he's no longer. But then he's liking these memes and blah, blah. I don't know. But if he's treating her well, what's the problem? Yeah, but it's the people he's surrounding himself with. And I mean, I don't know a lot about like what it's like to be a racialized person in Winnipeg. Um, but if all of your partner's friends, or not all of them, but if the majority of your partner's friends are, you know, people that you find unsavory, then what does that say about your partner? You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know. The other issue I have here is that this the sister, the one who wrote to us, is doing the most. Like, she's snooping. She is, like, I don't know how far back she went to find the stuff on his Facebook. But This is the thing. <laughs> but it's like, your sister... She's if got a vendetta. No. Why do you say that? Because if she's, like, she clearly... Wants the relationship to end, right? Like that's kind of the premise of the entire letter. I don't it's know like, if she wants it to end, but I think she's just concerned that she she maybe wants to have a clear picture of who this guy is. But I mean, they've been married for two years, so who knows? They're probably together for a while before that. Um, I think she needs to butt out. Well, I don't okay. I don't think she needs to butt up entirely. <laughs> She's looking out for her sister. But no, but now we're looking, but we're looking for things and, and we're, we're causing problems where there's no problem right now. Like if their relationship, like you well, said, Nick, there's not much explanation on that. 
What what's the problem? I think I think the husband is a little bit problematic if he is hanging around people who are like being racist and ignorant. That is problematic. But that's a conversation. But that's a conversation between him and his wife. She needs yes. to butt the hell out. Hundred percent. But as a sister, I will tell my sister oh. exactly what I think, and then let her make a choice on what to do. Like I can't force her to divorce this man or like not be with this. But I can say, hey, look, I just happened to be on Facebook, and these are the things that I saw that your man supposedly has been doing. And hey, did you notice that he's best friend Fred is always saying racist things. That's but I have a thing. Okay. So first of all, first of all, women don't just happen to be on Facebook. When you go <laughs> digging, like I don't have this, ex- I don't have this expertise, but I know people who can dig and find any kind of information. So do I. I don't Shout have. out Sahar if you're listening. But anyway, <laughs> wild. <laughs> it's wild. So there's no way she happened to be on Facebook. And and I feel like she just has a personal vendetta against this guy and she genuinely needs Where to butt out. Her sister no. She's just very like, why are you looking for this information? Like question him on a couple of things. Sister. I don't know if it's a I don't think that she would have actually done all of this if they weren't signs. Right? So maybe okay. he's laughed a little too hard at some like racist what what. And she's like, this is fishy. This is suspicious. Let me go and see what his life was like as a student. They probably just need to have um, <clears throat> like a conversation. Right? And maybe, Ooh, the sisters yeah. or the husband yeah. and wife? Even the three of them. Because like... Why she, the three of them? Yeah. Because she's like, the ending of the letter is like, what can I do to make her uh, see that he may not be the guy? It's like, why do you have to do like you guys should just talk it and, out? Yes. And if you want to confront him about something, should confront him. She did. She said she asked him about it, and he said he's not that way anymore. But he's still hanging out with these other guys. I don't think the three of them need to have a conversation. I think the sisters can have a conversation, but ultimately, the the sister who wrote into us, she needs to respect her her own sister's relationship with her husband and how she wants to deal with it. Like she can voice her concerns, but she can't compel her sister to no, she can't come, no. do anything That's in right. the relationship if she doesn't want to. And it sounds like she because she's very anti-conflict that she just oh well, that's the man he is. And what are you really gonna look do at that? You've just been married. Like I don't know. That's right. So I think we've come to the same conclusion for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> It, it was tough, but we got there. We got there. We got... <laughs> okay. Um, all right. So the, the next letter is, Hi, Cookie and I. Hello from Fredericton. Hey, what's up? Um, I'm a Canadian, Polish, and German woman who's married to a Nigerian, Ghanaian man. We have two kids, boy and girl. My daughter is 14 years old and is really into performance, acting, singing, etc. She auditioned for a lead role in a community play but was told by the director that although her audition was great, they decided to give it to another child because they wanted to stick as close to the original source material as possible. The main character is a British white woman. He's offered her another secondary role, but I'm just so confused at his reasons for refusing her. My daughter is devastated and my husband is threatening to talk to the director. I'm angry that my daughter had to experience this and feel like I need to say something 
what would you do? The play is Pygmalion, if it matters. And for our listeners, Pygmalion is about a poor flower girl who gets picked up by like this doctor who teaches people how to speak like proper. And then he ra- he makes her into a lady. And that's like the whole play. Um, so yeah, what are your thoughts? Oof. She's 14, so she's kind of, like, old enough to, okay, this is my my opinion. She's four, the daughter is 14, so she's old enough to kind of, like, navigate um, disappointment and rejection, I, I think. And I don't, my first instinct is that maybe the director had no ill intent, um, but his reasoning, I think, I, I don't think I would have, have used those words for the reason why he didn't choose her. He could have just said, hey, this other girl was better. Not that we want to stick to the original source material uh, because it's 2022. Nobody sticks to the original source material. That's, that's, that's my opinion. What about you guys? I think that um, for them, they can speak up and, and say something, but I'm not sure... It's kind of silly because when you think about like different shows, like um, what's like that Bridgerton. one where they had uh, Bridgerton? Yeah, they've had so many different looking people on there, and like it's like we're quite past that now. This girl mm-hmm. is probably if she's the best one, to then put her in. Who's going to ask you questions? But she you didn't know? say so that. I think they she definitely said that should. He wants to stick to the original source material, which would be this white. Well, one. and I feel like that's why she's kind of like. Upset. Upset. What do you think? Yeah, it kind of sounds like the reason is sort of bullshit. And yeah. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> it's hard to say. Like, if in fact she was like she did do the better audition, mm-hmm. it would be clearly like an injustice. Um if the other person was better, she, like, I agree with you. She should have said that. Or if they really wanted to I stick to like... the original source material, they should have just said it in the audition. Like, hey, we're looking for a white person to play this role. But you can't say that. <laughs> I don't think you can, right? I don't think you can say. Who knows? Maybe it's different. In no. Because now her husband is getting all turned up and she is like also ready to go and throw hands. I think the point, I think what needs to happen is let's have a conversation with the director. Let's find out what's his intention and what, whatever that is. And then strictly focus on how your child is receiving this information. I think that's the more important part because this could actually damage her uh, perspective and maybe not want to be in theater anymore when this is really a passion of hers. So find out they can go and, and ask the director questions, but really go back to focusing on their child and how to manage that and her emotions and that, because she's at a very um, tumultuous kind of time in her life. And I think the focus should be on her and less so on this dumbass director. Yeah. And I think as a parent, like I, I totally agree with you. I think that as a parent, I would sit sit down with my child and be like, look, it sucks that you didn't get this this role. And I mm-hmm. obviously think that you were like the way better person. But you have this secondary role. You just need to do the best that you can in this role. 
And with regards to what the director said about sticking to the source material, you know, I've had this, this conversation with my oldest child. Like sometimes there are people in the world who are going to not like you or not going to see you as a good fit based on how you look. And it's not right. And it's not okay. Um, but unfortunately, there are people out there like that. And maybe, you know, this is that that situation. But I would focus on my child and less on the director. Because clearly, yeah. he has his own, own agenda. Agenda. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, maybe it's an opportunity for her to find, I don't know what the art scene is like in Fredericton, but maybe find um, theater groups that are more diverse or more inclusive, if that's even possible. Um, I also know that like being an actor and stuff or performer is really hard anyway, because there's a lot of rejection. So I don't know, maybe, maybe this is a learning opportunity, learning opportunity for everybody about rejection. I think at 14, I'm trying to think how I was like when I was 14. I think I would be very upset, but I would understand, like I would have those understand, like I have an understanding of the concepts of like re rejection. and Probably not. And I think. Um, no? Well, you have a child no, who's almost I think, that age, right? Yeah, I don't think they have an understanding of what it really means to be rejected. It feels bad but they don't understand what it, like the full picture. So mm -hmm. I think that's why they really need to focus on educating their child that look, this happens um, and we need to move forward. But take, you've got a role. Um, yeah. You weren't given the main role, but you've got a role and let's start to move forward with how you feel and what we can do next time and how we move forward. I think that's where the conversation needs to happen. That's where parenting really needs to step up, where you are just supporting your child uh, the best way you can. Because she's going to experience that over and over and over again, even as she's an adult and maybe even in a diverse situation, she's well, might experience dating, that because she may be. I'm sure even in dating, she's going to hear like, I don't particularly like whatever it is you look like. I'm more interested yeah. in somebody who doesn't yeah. look like you. But do you think yeah. that the parents have a responsibility to talk to the theater director in this case? Like, uh, so? Just to ask questions. Like what? Like, why didn't you pick my baby or? <laughs> no, just uh, what, what was the, you know, and maybe approach it from the perspective of what do you think she could do better or what were you, yeah. you know, what plays <laughs> would you rather put her in so that she can really shine? Um, but not necessarily, why didn't you pick her? Just See, I don't advise know if her I could do that better. in a non-petty way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like, oh, so who did you pick? <laughs> What's so special about her? Um, yeah, yeah. I uh, this one is sad. I I I feel for your child, and I'm sure she's going to be great in a secondary role. And yeah, unfortunately, sometimes this is life, right? Okay, folks, we will be uh, right back after this short break. So in this week's news, we have a very interesting story uh, that is still in development. So by the time this episode comes out, 
we don't know what the outcome will be. But it's um, taking place at the University of Kentucky. Um, it involves a Black student um, who is working in residence. And um, there's a video going around of her trying to calm this other student who happens to be white, uh, who is intoxicated. So this intoxicated student has entered the wrong residence. The Black student is... Uh, a resident staff. She's trying to explain to this girl that she's in the wrong place, but the intoxicated student is throwing a lot of racist language at her. She gets physical at one point and she ends up getting arrested. Um, so we're going to post the full story in our show notes. So you can have a look at that before you listen to the discussion, but from a per, uh, per, uh, parent perspective, what do you guys think is the appropriate approach here like if you were a parent of one of these two kids like what do you think that your approach would be to this situation I think both I think um my thought process would be I need to sit down with the person to the university and the other parents let's have a full-on discussion about what is actually happening and and what actually happened so that we all are on the same page if there is no move forward from there then I think we need to I would personally probably withdraw my my child if she, obviously being the black person or if I was the white person, probably withdraw my child too. I think there's a lesson to be learned here from both sides. Let's have conversations about why this is happening, how this happened and how we move forward. Hey, what do you mean from both sides? This black girl is like just we just her job. No, I know, but they need to come in and be supportive of their child and show that they are standing up for their child to the president mm. and have a conversation with these white parents and be make it a learning experience for absolutely everybody involved in that situation rather than an attacking or, or offensive or defensive kind of situation. Let's come together. Let's learn why this behavior should not be happening. And let's talk together about how we move forward. Like, I mean, I'm all for, like, discussions and, like, dialogue, but I'm also on on the other end of the spectrum like these people are adults right they're university students it is and i mean the response that the intoxicated student had was i was under the influence i didn't know what i was saying but for her to use the n-word several times i mean i don't think alcohol changes you as a person i think it just amplifies the person that you actually are and to me that is like, if I was the parent of a black girl, I'd be like, this other student needs to suffer the consequences and take responsibility for her own actions. Um, and it'll be a learning curve for her. Like, I, I feel like I would go full, full throttle with this because it's unacceptable. You know, it's not like they're kids. They're, they're in a university. And I think the university needs to... Um, you know, make some sort of a statement about this. What do you think, Nick? Yeah, I mean, I think it's reprehensible. It's awful behavior. And, uh, sorry, I'm losing my voice. <laughs> <laughs> I think apart from the reprehensible behavior, um, I think as a parent that I would try and be as supportive as I possibly can to my child experiencing the... You know, the abuse 
But this is I think crazy that like, no, and I and I agree. And from the other perspective, like how do you raise your child to think that using that kind of language is okay? Do you know what I mean? The situation itself is one that needs to be a, what I meant by both sides. I mean the the university needs to sit down with both sets of parents. Yeah. A to apologize to the parents and her child to say like this should never have happened, and B to look at the other child and their parents and say, what is the goal forward? What's the learning that we're taking away from this? And um, if she withdrew, she must be facing some sort of consequences from either her friends or her, oh, yeah. you know, her peers and those around her, job. her. I think she was like a brand ambassador for some company and she's lost that job. Like she's, she's definitely feeling it. some of the consequences, but I think aside from losing money and it sounds like she comes from a rich family so it doesn't really matter but like aside from that i think she needs to understand like the impact that she had on this other student because the other student could have also just like started fighting her but she she didn't mm-hmm. she was very restrained she held herself together um she kept telling her you know please don't hit me please don't use that language um I think that there needs to be a severe like learning outcome for this intoxicated student so that she knows that what she did was absolutely not okay. And if I was the parent of that student, that the student that was intoxicated, I would be 100% um, in support of her, whatever consequences she reaps from this. Do you know what I mean? And you don't, okay, yes, I get that. But so like, what is more than she's lost her job? And yes, it doesn't matter. She's coming from a rich family. She's now faced the consequence of losing her job. She Mm -hmm. cannot attend that university. Her peers are probably backing away from her. Um, She probably would. Well, not riots, but demonstrations on campus. All of that. So what more do you think should happen? She go to jail? Like what more do you think should happen here? That's always a question in my mind is how much do you, like how much is, okay, this is enough, or okay. It goes to that whole thing of, like, how to do an apology, right? Like, you you acknowledge that you caused harm. And I don't think that... Um, the other thing that we didn't, we didn't say at the top of the story is that she appeared in court today and she pled not guilty to all of the charges. And so, to me, that is an indication that she's not taking responsibility for the actions and the harm that she has caused. And it's not just the harm on the student that was involved. Think of all the other Black students or students of color on that campus that are facing similar things or have had interactions with this person or, you know, don't feel safe anymore as a result of this person thinking that they can say this. So to me, I think that in true apology fashion she needs to acknowledge that she's done harm which means pleading guilty to the charges and secondly she needs to commit to changing right because that's how you that's how you you move forward right you admit that you did something wrong and that you are going to change and maybe that's going to some sort of like training or counseling to figure out like why she thought it was okay to use that language with another person. This is going to follow her. You know that, right? Oh, a hundred percent. 
And I mean, so it's whether all she pleads guilty doing. or not, it's good. And there you go. So this is she may not come out and take accountability, but and she should. But this is going to follow her. So she's yeah. now blackballed from whatever. So she's going to face. And I'm not saying it's enough or whatever. I'm just thinking, how long does one have to carry this? Um, because at some point, and maybe this is the uh, Christian me coming, Christian. Mm-hmm person in me coming out at some point you you ask for forgiveness and who's to say she hasn't had a conversation with the student we don't know but mm-hmm. if she's had that conversation with the student had the conversation and said look i i'm sorry i didn't and yes she pled not guilty but that's another conversation something else is going on there but i think as an individual she is probably very very regretful because she's losing she's going to lose a lot she's going to be facing this for the rest of her life this is now on the internet this does not go away. So she, how long and how much? She had like a whole bunch of charges. She had assault uh, to a person. She had assault to a police officer. Um, I, I, I'm i not sure of all of the, the charges, but there was a lot. Like she had to, she's on a $10,000 bail. So it's pretty, pretty significant. But I, my thing is, and this is just somebody that like does this kind of EDI work anyway, or an anti-racism work is that I feel like the focus is now on the person that caused the harm and not the person that was harmed. And, you know, there has been no mention of the support that this, this uh, black girl has received. There's been no mention of, you know, like the impact that that's going to have on her because now when everybody search, search for this, uh, intoxicated girl's name her name is going to come up and she's also forever going to be involved in something that mm-hmm. she didn't want to be involved in um, and I think that that's something that that we need to keep in mind and if I was her parent again if I was this black girl's parent I would be telling the institution like what are the things that you're going to do for my child to ensure that this doesn't happen like how do you how do you um like uh, how do you support people who are working because she was a a student staff like what kind of training are you guys having on campus for staff to navigate these situations what kind of mental health supports you know that sort of thing and whatever happens to the other girl is entirely her doing mm-hmm. you know what i mean so mm-hmm. i don't really have and maybe I'm I'm being harsh, but I I don't I feel like this woman this other girl is, an, is um she's an adult she made a decision I don't think that uh, being drunk is an excuse for your behavior because you could use that excuse for drunk driving you could say I'm sorry I didn't mean mm-hmm. to kill your family I was drunk like it's your responsibility to know exactly. that whatever actions you you have when you are intoxicated you are accountable for. Mm-hmm. And yeah, her, maybe her life is ruined. Maybe it's not. But that is the consequences of her actions. Um, yeah. I don't know if there's there's too much more to say about that. But that, that's a crazy story. And, you know, wish, wish that student, the, the black student, the best. Wish the other girl, you know, whatever, whatever's coming for her. And, <laughs> yeah. It's a have-the-do-deserve type of situation. Yes, it really is. Have the day that you deserve. <laughs> she used the N word like two hundred times. So for me, it's like, are you are you really gonna blame alcohol for having that word? Everything above your yeah. tongue. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 
it just seems a little just like exposing who you really are. Yeah. That's and that's yeah. why I'm like, as a parent, I hope that her parents look at the situation and be like, what did we do to raise a child that think it, that thinks it's okay to say this to another human being and treat another human being like this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. My only thought is like, hopefully Kentucky is having like a wake up moment mm-hmm. about this. But it sounds like that's not the case if the university is not condemning to be No. So they, they, they've said that they, I think the university president said that they uh, were shocked at the, you know, standard response, shocked at the behavior that they didn't think that mm-hmm. from their institution would behave that way, that the institution is very inclusive. But there has been no action against the person who has caused harm. Um. And to me, that's, um, that's the issue that I have. But the other thing is the stuff takes time, right? Yeah. And I'm sure there's an investigation the going on. They're like... Yeah. They're, I mean, look at... Look at um, what are those? The Full House Lady, uh, uh, Lynette Laurie from Desperate Housewives. Yeah. Yes. All of that. How long was that stuff going on before they, before they came out and said, we've done this investigation? That investigation probably took a year or two before they finally came out and said this was what's going on. But probably lots of people knew this stuff was going on. So it takes a little bit of time. So we have to give the university um, just some time because it's even police investigations, murder investigation takes a long time. So like, I think we need to give them some some time to, to do all this because uh, so much has been packed into a short period of time. So we're talking those protests, we're talking this girl uh, pulling out, we're talking court, we're talking, they haven't done it's not. I don't think they're sitting on their hands. I think they're. They need to come up with a statement oh, exactly. that exactly. And you and I um, both work for institutions, so we kind of well, know what it's yes. like on the back end. To because you know that every single official message that's coming out has been fine combed through a communications team yes. and a legal team. And, yeah. Um, yeah. You know everything like that, and of course those things take time. I think that the challenge is that they don't have a lot of time to yeah. make an impression. At some point you have to make a statement. You have to, con- you, I think the only logical thing is to condemn this, right? Like you, there's and no they will, way. And they will, I just. Because how did they rehabilitate yeah. this? You know what I mean? Like, especially because the student is not even pleading guilty. She's pleading not guilty. So it's like the student, the, the student themselves is, like they they don't think they've done anything wrong and to me that is that that is their out to say we we can't have you on campus like there's video evidence of you being abusive you're not even copying to it like we don't want you on this campus that's what i would do if i was a university president if i had any power that's what i would do because she's she's given us an out you know if she had said yeah i'm pleading guilty like it's terrible that i did these things then i would be like well how can we rehabilitate the situation? Do you know what I mean? I think they, yeah. But I think they, like I said, there's just so much packed into this short period of time. And you, like, you're right. They they don't have much time. They need to come out and say something. And I think there's also, um, you also got to remember sometimes when a, there's a police investigation going on, yeah. you can't say anything. You can't say You have to wait till the police say, go ahead and say what you want to say. So there's a bit, there's lots of layers to what's going on. And I think mm-hmm. the university probably is probably did already say to her parents, uh, you're probably going to yeah. get kicked out 
So I'd be asking decide for free what you tuition. Want to oh, my child is not going to pay any more tuition for the rest of the degree. Hundred <laughs> percent. Name the residence after her. Oh wow! Oh wow! Yes. <laughs> and then every day you have to encounter. You just like, hey, this is a real <laughs> thing that happened. Yeah. I like it. Uh, All right, folks, we're going to take another little break and then we'll be back for the saddest part of the show where we have to say goodbye. We'll be right back. And we are back and it's time to say goodbye to Nick. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Hopefully it was uh, a fun experience for you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks for putting up with me. And um, well, congratulations have- to you two for making it to, is it 10, 11 episodes? 11 episodes. I was just going to say, we still have to put up with you once the podcast has stopped recording. Yeah. You know. That's true. Um, you were very Who's we? Today. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Cookie, where can we be found? We can be found on Instagram at Mixed Motherhood Pod, or you can send us an email at mixedmotherhoodpod at gmail.com with your questions, your comments, anything you want to say. Um, we are wide open. Um, and if you want to be on the on the podcast, we're also very happy to have you. Um, but otherwise, thank you so much for listening, guys, and we will see you in a couple weeks. Yes. Because this coming week, we will not have an episode, but uh, we'll be back full and ready to go in a couple weeks. All right, everybody. Take care. Bye. Bye. The Mixed Motherhood Pod is written and produced by Nanae Belanger and Kudzai Chimanikire. All musical credits belong to Epidemic Sound. Follow us on all platforms at Mixed Motherhood Pod. See you next time.